You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtic Stuff Live. The only toll-free call-in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtic Stuff Live. Celtics Stuff Live, the first show after the NBA draft. Celtics select Jalen Brown with the number three pick. We were there for you. Five and a half hours. It's something about us, John. We just can't hang up the phone. I think we said we were going to stop the live show at 11 o'clock, and we went another hour and a half. So (laughs) certainly our energy faded at 11, and it wasn't the high-energy show for the last 90 minutes. But there was plenty to talk about, I think. Uh, Since then, we've seen the press uh, announcements and and everything at, I think it was at Waltham, wasn't it, where they announced everything? So they introduced the uh, six, well, only five in person, but the six draft picks and got a little bit deeper uh, take. Uh, Even Danny Ainge making a similar mistake that I made on a show recently, so we'll get into that. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. We're we're simpatico, though. Me and Ainge are simpatico. Yes, you are. Sharing a brain, you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, same draft pick. Marcus Banks, Marcus Smart. I mean, it's just, hey, it's I just I just can't wait to let us all know on the podcast who we're going to be taking next, what's going to happen. Just fill us in here, Justin. Well, I'll just I'll just say there's really only three possibilities. You know why this keeps happening this way. Number one is I'm actually Danny Ainge. Um, the second possibility is that Danny Ainge listens to Celtics stuff live. Or the third uh, possibility is the fact that, you know, hey, Jalen Brown's a pretty good player, and uh, the Marcus Bar- Marcus Banks, Marcus Smart mix-up is a, probably a pretty common one for anybody who's been close to this team for the last 10 or 15 years. Maybe it's, maybe it's Selection C. <laughs> but I like Selection A. I'm actually Danny Ainge. I, I think they're I think that's pretty solid. I think that's I think that's a pretty solid, you know, series of options there. And and I think A and B aren't bad. They're good for the show. Uh but yes, yeah, C's C's probably where we where we ended up. Yeah, it's probably safe. <laughs> um Let's also, I, you know, I really appreciated Danny's candid comments on Friday about how it all went down and how he should have protected Wick a little bit from that situation. But come on, let's be real. I know a lot of people who called into the show 
weren't on the same page as me in liking Jalen Brown, but or let's on just the show let's, or yeah, right <laughs> or pretty much anybody but me that night like that didn't you know like it was me against the world. I mean, there were some people on Twitter. Nobody. Say, no, I think I think there's. I think the I think the was pretty split. I, I don't think you were on an island. I think there were there were some very valid reasons to like Jalen Brown and to to walk away from that night feeling good about that pick. And I think there's also as many. I think that's the the interesting part of all this, right? Is that you're completely right to like what you like about him. I mean, there's a lot of things in terms of how the team plays and, and his profile and his makeup that that people should like. The problem is is that there's a lot of things that if you, when you look at it, you say, how can you pick this guy third? Or how can this guy be the... There's only one thing. There's only well, one thing. It's, it's really the shooting. I mean, it's the that's, shooting. That's, it's, it's the 29%, three-point percentage, and the warp. There really is no other prevailing argument out there. Well, I think it's those two things that have really got him hammered, and the fact that the team has really struggled to shoot. I mean, shooting right. the ball, and even Brad said on Friday, we need to get players in free agency that can put the ball in the net. So I can see how that sounds like a contradiction to a lot of people. Then why did you pick Brown? Right, because you, you're telling us that you need players that can put the ball in the net, and then you got this guy who's got this atrocious warp and and 29, less than 30 percent from from beyond the arc. Pretty warped to pick a guy like that. And I yes, I know that used that joke loud draft night. I don't care. I'm going to use it probably. I'm going to use it until I can lose it at this point. Uh, no, yeah, it I mean decision making, uh, um, you know, drive. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things about Jalen Brown. Now, he's done a very good job. He's a smart guy. We talked about this draft night, and we've already started to see the worm turn a little bit on this. Is that Jalen Brown is a he's he's a he's so good with the media, and he's so good at crafting some sort of narrative about who he is. Basically, you know, he said, "I went to Cal to learn. Now I'm going to to." to get better. I'm, now I'm going to put that into action. Basically, it, finding a way to disregard what's happened uh, last year for him and then, and then say, well, now, now it counts. You know, it was a learning experience. And he took it head on. Unlike players who refuse to work out for other teams, he said, this is me, good and bad. He's a pro, dude. This kid is a pro. He's He's a lot like Rajon Rondo in the things that you hear, like he plays chess, he's an intellectual, but I don't think he's as headstrong. I think he's much more malleable, and he is much better with the media. Rondo did a good job entertaining the media and managing the media, but he didn't come off sincere. This Jalen Brown <laughs> comes off very sincere, right? So there are some distinct differences. This team is trying to build a culture. They're trying to, to bring players in top to bottom, guys like Isaiah Thomas, guys like Jay Crowder, high-character guys, dirt dogs, hustlers. Jalen Brown, to me, is a perfect fit in the mold of Marcus Smart. So if you're telling me that Marcus Smart's the future, I'm going to tell you that Jalen Brown fits right in with it. And the whole commentary from Danny Ainge, not only about Jalen Brown, but of all the picks, and he gave a little shout-out to Scalabrini for noticing this, <laughs> But that physically, and I think Danny alluded to mentally as well, you know, I think especially for um, Gershon, who's been playing in a pro league in France, 
guy already knows how to take care of himself, right? right. As as a young adult, there are a lot of things that say he's ready to deal with the transitions. When you talk about building the culture, these are things, and I know Danny kind of made little of it, but it's a lot bigger than, than he stated, you know, in terms of like being able to grocery shop and having a driver's license. Right. That made That made his point seem small, but it was off the cuff. At the end of the day, what he means is, these guys are already close to being professionals in two ways. One, they have the body to play against real men. They don't have to spend the next two years conditioning them and waiting for their body to develop. That's a pretty big statement right there. It's also one that may be a prelude to trades, that they may need these players in the, in the coming years to be able to step right in and play. You never know when they're going to be called because the roster could get thinned in a major trade. The second thing is mentally they're ready. They don't have to deal with guys who are making rookie mistakes with their money and getting, they even said the professionalism, getting getting to the practice facility on time, all of those things. So in hearing Danny talk about that, I was pretty impressed. I'm going to make one other point about the foreign picks in the first round. We didn't like them. You and I even reacted a little. Eh. I mean, not no, so much to uh, yeah, but definitely yeah. to Ubisili. Yeah. But here's the thing. Those foreign guys with any kind of upside weren't available in the second round. Look at the guys that did wind up sliding as a result in the second round. So people talk about how that's inverted, but I think I think they made a calculated risk and actually probably won. It leaves you scratching your heads in the first round, but then thinking, wow, they did a pretty nice job in the second round. Well, that's, uh, well yeah, and I think what happened was, okay, one thing that we didn't get to cover in the middle of the draft night, there was a tweet that, uh, Jonathan Gavoni sent out from the Draft Express account that said the Celtics actually wanted to take uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, who is the the Spanish kind of three four swing kind of swing forward uh, that the Nets took right before the Celtics pick, and the Nuggets took him because they were going to try to take him at nineteen. They caught wind the Celtics wanted him, so they took him at fifteen. The Celtics were kind of stuck. So then they, the Celtics were left to say, okay, well, what do we do now? Is there going to be a run on these draft and stash guys? This is, this is what my belief is. So, you know, they're saying maybe we need to jump ahead on this so that we don't lose any more of these good, you know, guys that we think are, are good draft and stash candidates and, and not lose our ability to, to access them and, and keep them in our system. So, yeah, Gershon Yabuselli was a guy who was – they jumped on earlier than maybe they would have thought, but they, in the end of the day, if, if you said Zizic went 16 and Yabasele went went 23, no one would have cared because it would have been much closer to what we all had preconceived in our thoughts. And the other last very quick point about that, you know, this is this is what <laughs> Bill Belichick has done for years. He takes guys where he values them. Not where Draft Express values them, not where uh, you know Steve Kyler's mock draft has them or Chad Ford's. He takes his own draft board, and that's what he uses. And that's that's why we value him. There's been a lot of talk about. Well, we're not so sure he's Danny Ainge can draft anymore. Really, take a look at Marcus Smart. Has the great has has the best win shares of anybody in his draft class, 2014. Take a look at uh, even last year's picks. Terry Rozier, 16 pick. Everyone says, oh, well, you know, not so great. How many players outside after the 15th pick did any better than Terry Rozier? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is 
the idea that there's criticism of Danny Ainge, I think, is a little misplaced at this point. Let's see how these latter two seasons of picks have gone, but I'm perfectly content with what he's done. It, would Jalen Brown have been my pick at three? No. Would he have been in my pick had they been able to trade down to six, seven, or eight? Probably. But that's the for whatever reason he wasn't able to make that pick. And that but what do you get? What do you get out of trading down? More picks? Here's the deal. No, no, no. We, Maybe a player. I mean, right? You've got to, it's got eh, works with you. But then, then you've got you, again the roster. The only the only moves that make sense at this point with all the picks they have, not only this year but in the coming years, are consolidate consolidary. Is that not even a word? Oh, it, it, I know what you're moves saying. that consolidate talent. There you go. Adding more resources <laughs> at this point, unless I mean trade down and get a future first, maybe. But if that wasn't there for, we don't know what options were there. Exactly. I was hoping that by today, maybe some of those uh, moves would have leaked out to somebody like Steve Bullpet, but they haven't come out yet. Maybe it'll be an afterthought in late July once free agency has sort of settled down, something to fill the late July and August doldrums in the NBA offseason. Here's the thing, though. To your point about the foreign draft and stash picks in the first round, you may have, we may have been scratching our heads in the moment on draft night, but had they missed out on those and made six selections of U.S.-based players, we'd been scratching our heads even more saying, where are these guys going to go? Literally, where are they going to go? If they don't make a trade, there's not roster spots for all of them. And a lot of those second-round steals that they might have gotten wouldn't have wound up getting signed because it just wouldn't have had a roster spot to sign them into. They might have done you know, smaller deals, but then the second-round picks have a lot of options to say thanks but no thanks, right? So uh, that would have been a difficult position for the Celtics to be in. Just a reminder, real quick, you're listening to Celtics Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. John and I can be followed on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. Uh, for the entire show, I'm at CSL underscore Justin. You can get John at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. If you haven't already, go to uh, CLNS Radio's YouTube page, youtube.com backslash CLNS Radio. Jared Weiss and Jimmy Toscano have a lot of interviews and a lot of videos from not only draft night, but um, the press press day on Friday, so you've got to go listen in on all of that, and you can get all of these shows on the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Just go to your marketplace and search CLNS Radio. The other thing is we've been doing a giveaway with our new sponsor, Fan Essentials, so I'm going to go ahead and announce that giveaway. Every week we're giving away one free month, uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. That's a lot of Celtics gear to one of our listeners. The way that that happens is you retweet this show announcement with the hashtag Fan Essentials, and then we'll announce the winner on each week's show. So this week, it's Kevin Cross, at Kevin T. Cross 85 We're going to try to send you a direct message, Kevin. We need to get some information for you to send over to Fan Essentials by Tuesday this week. That's tomorrow because we'll be be airing on on Monday. We're going to be trying to get a hold of you uh, in the next couple of days. Make sure. And you'll get some free gear. And everybody else, how would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out fanessentials.net and all you do is pick your favorite sports team and every month you get gear shipped right to your door. They find sports gear so you don't have to and each fan box comes fully packed with some amazing gear and it makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Prices start at just 34.99. You can support Celtic Stuff Live 
and will help you save 30% on the first month of your subscription by using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. And, uh, Kevin, you're going to love your first free box there, uh, courtesy Celtic Stuff Live. Go to fanessentials.net to get all the essentials that you need. And, you know, I know, John, that we're kind of breaking down the draft, but right around the door is free agency. And the other thing that we're doing on Twitter is we've got some questions. So I thought I'd let you go to the hashtag Celtics chat questions. We're going to use this hashtag uh, permanently, John, I think is kind of the point here. That's how you can submit questions to CSL, and you can also do it by going at CSL underscore tweet live. But, John, maybe maybe we hit some of these questions as we come out of the draft and, and head into a look of, of free agency. And, obviously, the, the other topic that we're going to cover that won't go away is Kevin Durant. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's right now, I think, everyone's focused right. So, yesterday, of course, the big... Uh, announcement, I guess, or, or two two articles, one from Mark Stein, one from Woj, saying Celtics are among the handful of teams that are going to have an audience with Kevin Durant on the first. First of all, before we even get to the questions, that is a huge accomplishment. The fact you get a meeting is so important for the future of this franchise. You get a meeting, and you put yourself this this speaks to why people like me freaking out <laughs> draft night need to just take a pill because you need to keep that momentum going. You need to keep that flexibility going so that you build off of this situation a year from now. I'm not saying that you're not going to get Kevin Durant, but I'm saying that when all those guys are on the on the table next summer and you can just say, look, hey, we met with Kevin. That's going to put you in a much, much better position a year from now than where you would have been otherwise. So to, to throw your assets willy-nilly at, at a Greg Monroe or people who would have eaten up large chunks of your cap but without any really offsetting ability to, to, to make that a, a wise decision, you're stuck. So this is a big place where the Celtics are right now. We're going to see on the first how that plays out, what happens, but right now – you know, I think a lot of people are saying, okay, well, where do we go? And so Joshua Farber, who's uh, at J, J Farb 5 he says, uh, he asks us, he says, who do you think will be the first free agent we contact besides Kevin Durant? This is last year, I'm pretty sure it was Amir. Uh, so who is that first free agent that we contact? That's a great question. Is it, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a couple others we'll talk about the, the, the non-Durant category, you know, if we don't get Durant. But I think, to me, and this is my first blush at this, is the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go to that list of guys that you know Kevin wants to talk to, that Kevin wants to play with, that supposedly, if you believe Butch Stearns' report from a few weeks back, that, that he gave a list of these guys to the Celtics that, there, those are those are the guys that, that he wants to play with, right? I mean, don't you think? Well, and would, I'd argue. Would you and say would, that? Who would you say would be on that list? Well, obviously Al Horford's on that list, but I would also argue that that list isn't just players, based on the rumor that I heard a month ago, and you know some contacts in the background. I think there's also coaching staff that he's looking at. I don't think it's just players, so I'm going to leave that out on the table and we'll let that evolve. But I'm going to say Al Horford has got to be. Number one, you know, somebody else, somebody else who doesn't fit the roster but might be on that list would even be a guy like Mike Conley, right? Possibly, you know, obviously in that draft class, 2007, 
Uh, you know, probably came up through the ranks around the same time, playing out of Indianapolis. You know, Durant's playing out of D.C. area. I'm sure they, they know of each other, with each other. But his guys I don't think are on the list yeesh. is definitely Dwight Howard. <laughs> I don't think he's thinking about Dwight what? Howard at all. Now, what I would be curious, Hassan Whiteside is, you know, one of those guys that would definitely test Brad Stevens' coaching ability in an area that hasn't been tested. Very similar to the conversation we had around the trade deadline with Boogie Cousins. Now, at the same time, I'm not sure that Hassan Whiteside is on Durant's list, but you can't say that he wouldn't match up well. If we played Durant at the four, or Jay Crowder at the four and Durant at the three, however you work that out, you, you can say that somebody like Whiteside would complement very well. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he's on his list. Right. And Who I, do you think is on his list? Well, like you said, I think Horford is is the guy that stands out. He's, again, same draft class, uh, you know, solid player, a guy who can do some dirty work but can spread the floor as well. I mean, he's really a, a big man who is built for today's league. The, the questions about Horford, obviously, about his productivity, his sliding rebounding rate, which really has has dropped, particularly the last few years, quite a bit. But I wonder if that's a relation to him stepping out and becoming much more of a shooter. I think you're right. I, I, to me, Horford is a guy. I'm not sure if Whiteside is somebody who Durant would want on his list. Sure, the 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 talent is tantalizing, but man, what a knucklehead that guy has been and I think with a big contract could be. So I don't think that's someone he would put on his list. I think I think And Danny might balk at it anyway because yeah. the culture. The culture is so obvious. Even listening to Danny talk on Friday, yep. he was much more candid than we've seen recently. And and talking about you can just hear it. You can just hear what they're trying to build, even keeping their staff small but successful in the way that they're doing all their scouting and they still got through all of that, they're, they're obviously protecting a culture there. Hassan Whiteside, you know, might be a, a huge firebomb to that. <laughs> and, you know, a guy like Kent Bazemore, I'm wondering if the guys on Durant's list, even though the Celtics have the ability to sign two max players, which is more than anybody that, you know, everybody else on, on the list of teams that Durant is entertaining – they can only get him. Boston can do too. The concern I have is there may not be any value in that until next year because this coming off season, I think all the players that might be on Durant's list other than Horford are guys that are under contract for 16-17. Well, the only thing I would say, right, I think you're right about that. I think that that's, I think the list wasn't perhaps not only players, but it wasn't only players who were free agents, right? So does it make sense that a Kevin Love would be on that list? Absolutely. They're friends going back to the USA basketball days, played together, uh, you know, they've known each other. That seems to be a reasonable fit. Now, is that a good fit in terms of a team? I think we'll have to kind of hold off on that. But I think that that's something you have to think about as a guy like Kevin Love with the assets the Celtics have right now, is he's a re- I, I still believe he's a reasonable trade acquisition. So I think that's somebody who could be on your list. I, I don't think personally that there's many who are free agents who are, you know, this is going to make me want to go there type 
players on that list. Looking at the free agent list, so I think it's mostly it's mostly guys you can acquire via trade. And you know, I'm sure I, I would be surprised to see Jimmy Butler on that list as well. Oh yeah, I'm sure Jimmy Butler's on that list. The other thing is the Celtics. You know, to counter my own point about the two max salary spots, telling Kevin, listen, we've got top picks in the next. You know, we have the Nets picks in the next two, well, the swap, and then we have their pick in the next two years. Loaded drafts. We're going to bring in more and more talent. And if you're willing to be patient for this season and sign the long-term deal, next summer we're going to easily get the guy we want, or actually the guy you want, to build this club towards championship caliber. But even adding you today says we're going to give Cleveland a run next season. I and think, then, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, that's really it. it. Just that's the pitch, and and then and I think that Kevin Durant fills fits into this culture perfectly, and I think he is taking a broad view. As a matter of fact, no matter where he goes, I have to respect him because a he's not doing what LeBron did with the decision on all this, and b he wants to make this decision for the rest of his career. He doesn't want it to be a distraction. He sees that even though he didn't entertain the questions, it still was a distraction. He wants it to put it he wants to put this one to bed and just let it let go play basketball until he can't anymore. You have to respect that. Absolutely. No, I think you're right about that. I mean, one not only how he conducted himself this year, I think that's that's, you know, I tip your cap to him. I mean, he said nice things about Boston, but it wasn't a distraction. It wasn't a, I want to go there because Russell Westbrook is a poopy head. You know, there was none of that stuff. You know, he, he kept it all on the level, and it was it was good. Um, I think that the biggest, maybe even, I wouldn't say as big as the Celtics being on that list, because that's, that is a huge accomplishment. But I think the, the second most important piece of this is, is something that Steve Kyler uh, t- t- tweeted out yesterday, which is the fact that he isn't only looking at the one-and-one. One. We've been be- told forever, I mean, ever since the first idea that this would happen, well, he'll sign the, the one-year contract with a one-year player option, and that's, that's just what they'll do. That's not something it seems that he's really looking at. And to me, that puts the Celtics in a much, 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 much better position than, than they would have been otherwise. I still think a one-on-one puts them in a fine position next year, just as you were saying, to, to, to take advantage of that and, and pair those two uh, situations together, Durant and, and the better market next year. But also, hey, he's not saying well, you know, maybe I'll just stay and hedge his bet. He's looking for the best situation right now. And, yeah, we're going to be going up against the Spurs, the Thunder, <laughs> the Warriors. Uh, that's, not, that's not an easy competition. But we're not playing basketball against those guys. We're, we're going up against them with coaching, with a general manager, with two Nets draft picks in our back pocket, with – uh, the number three draft pick in in uh, in tow. I mean, there's a lot here that the Celtics have. And yeah, you're right. If they're going to play against the Thunder to to get Kevin Durant and to play against the Warriors to get Kevin Durant, they're not going to win that more than likely than not. But I like their shot. It's not a zero percent chance like everyone wants to make it out to be. It's definitely not zero. It can't be. And I think yeah. it can't be because they're already on the list. Right. But <laughs> I think they're a sleeper, and I still think the odds are very low. I think yeah. odds are high he stays in Oklahoma City. 
Yes. I think Presti's trying to do everything he can to make Kevin feel comfortable about making that decision and committing. Obviously, the organization needs Durant to commit to make it easier to get Westbrook to commit. But the one thing we don't know that Kevin Durant does know is how Russell Westbrook feels about Oklahoma City as a city, as an organization. Nobody's talking about that, but that's important because they've been there and they've been there together for a long time. If the Celtics have access to information about what the pros and cons have been in Oklahoma City, the one thing that they can say without a shadow of a doubt is that the organization is fully committed internally. Mm-hmm. Like that is a tight knit organization. They've gone through rebuilds with Danny Ainge without waxing, you know, just axing him and moving on with somebody else. Oh, it didn't work out. We're not happy. They brought in a guy like Brad Stevens. They extended the contracts. All you see out of that front office, more than any other in the NBA, and actually it's, it's an oddity. It is the exception, not the rule, by a large margin. But Wick and the ownership group, Pagliuca, are committed to Danny. Danny's committed to Brad. If you're talking about signing one deal for the rest of your career, and the thing that you want, that is so obvious and inherent in the way that it's being approached is stability. There is no more stable organization than the Boston Celtics. They didn't move from Seattle to Oklahoma City in the last few years. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in Seattle that aren't happy about how it happened. And it's not that Oklahoma City's going to all of a sudden pack up and leave again. But my point is, this organization is as stable as it gets, as stable as it gets in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to make a safe play that also will allow you to be in contention for a championship year after year, number one, you've got an organization that's stable. Number two, it's loaded with young players and assets at the top of the draft to continue getting better with a bunch of cap space. You know, if he's got any kind of artistic thought process and creativity, he'll see as the minute he sits down with Boston that they're going to take him and treat him as a professional, as a part of the team, because this one's a big one for them. And that they are going to look at, you know, he'll be able to look at it and say, boy, there is so much we can do with this. In Oklahoma City, they just got late first-round picks. In three years, they could be cramped if they can't re-sign their guys or Durant. I mean, uh, Westbrook leaves next year. That that is the wild card right there. And in Boston, it's sort of like, well, all all we have is opportunity to get better and better and better and better. That's right. That's right. Exactly. It, it, you're not stuck. And that's the thing that about Durant, I think, is different than. I don't think he's looking for the quick hit. I don't think he's saying, oh, well, this is the best team right now. He remembers that, you know, let's say eight weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, there were people who thought, you know, we need to change the rules of the entire game of basketball because the Warriors are just unbeatable. They're just absolutely unbeatable. It's impossible. It, it, you know, just throw out the rules, get rid of the rule book. It's all different. And lo and behold, Guess what? The Warriors didn't win the championship. Lo and behold, Durant's team almost beat them. So now, does is that a credit to the Thunder and their ability to win? Sure, but it's also it says 
we're not just saying, you know, right here, right now, this is what we are. We're looking at a much broader sense of what can be done, what can we, what can we become. And four years is a long commitment. You know, when he first made his commitment to the Thunder, James Harden was a part of that team. Uh, Serge Ibaka was coming into his own, and they cheaped out on that. Now maybe that will have some some uh, some issue with with him wanting to resign there. I I don't know. We'll see. But you know, also you look at as you said Westbrook. I think Westbrook is the one wild card in this. That everyone says, oh well, we know what he's going to do because you know why would he want to leave Westbrook? Well, Westbrook may want to leave not just him, but may want to leave Oklahoma City, and that that totally changes the dynamic. I mean, it's it, it's. That really well. That dynamic, everyone else, right? That dynamic is the reason everybody assumes it's going to be a one and one. But if there's another max contract, if Durant is committed to Westbrook more than he is Oklahoma City, who's to say that Russell Russell Westbrook doesn't come to Boston next off season just as easily? (laughs) Wow, (laughs) you're right. Right? You're absolutely right. Guys (laughs) committed to each other. It's like let's go to the East. Let's battle LeBron and let's. You know, Dion Waiters, forget that. We got Jalen Brown, and we've got top picks in the next two years, and that'll be able to take the load off of us, and we won't have to worry about injuries. And you know, the front office is stable. And imagine what we can do. Like Brad Donovan was great, but imagine what we can do with Brad Stevens, right? Look at this is this is the young Popovich, you know. So I, there there's a there's a pitch to be made there too. So the, the not only is it can I trust Westbrook to stay. But if I can trust Westbrook to stay, then the next question is, are we really committed to Oklahoma City? Now, I want to go one more with I want to go one more with that, but first I want to make sure we give a shout out to our other sponsor, Loot Crate. It's a monthly subscription box service. So another box service, not NBA or sports related, but for geeks, nerds, comic book lovers, and pop culture aficionados. For less than twenty dollars a month, subscribers receive a mystery box containing at least forty five dollars worth of collectibles, figurines, apparel, and memorabilia. So July's theme is they've gone futuristic. They've packed July's crate with items from some of pop culture's favorite prognostications of science and the future. That's right. I said prognostications on the first try, dude. Um, <laughs> look for tomorrow with items from Rick and Morty, Futurama, Star Trek, Mega Man, Valiant Comics, and Star Trek, including a model, a figure, and don't forget the monthly tea and pin. Just head over to lootcrate.com backslash CLNS and enter the code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. When we talk about Danny saying, look, none of the deals draft night were for players that were really going to move the needle, and since we're talking about Durant and we're dreaming big because now we've been given a reason to go ahead and entertain us for just a little bit longer, the question is this. We know Durant moves the needle. How much? This team was a 48-win team. Let's say only Durant comes, no other moves. You know, this is hypothetical. It's almost a useless conversation, but where we go out of this conversation is important. So let's set the bar. How many more wins do the Boston Celtics get with Kevin Durant on the same team as constituted? Not how how do they do in the playoffs, none of that. Just how many more wins? Do they go to 55, 56 wins, John? Well, I think... I think before you answer that question, you have to look at your competitors. What's going to happen to Toronto? What's going to happen to the Miami Heat? What's going to happen to, you know, really the the rest of of the top-end Atlanta Hawks? 
So what's going to happen with those guys? I think you can legitimately say that the sellers can be right at least straight back in that conversation, right? I mean, Horford leaves, the Hawks are done in my mind. Uh, you know, if DeRozan left, the Raptors are done. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I think that things stay the same or get slightly worse. You could easily see the Celtics being the second best team in the league. Maybe not easily. That's that's overstating. But you could see it. There's a there's a top very five. legitimate case. Easily, to, they're going to be top five. five, right? You add Durant, you're automatically at least the number two team right away. You're automatically right there. I think that gets you seven wins, seven eight wins. I think that gets you to fifty five, fifty six wins. Now, all right, I'm gonna, I'm going to say you it's don't 60. think. But I'm going to say it's 60. Before you, go, before you go to the next point, yes, and here's why. I, I agree with you it's seven or eight wins, but here's another thing to consider from last season. I think without Durant, Team S constituted should have been a 50-win team and would be next year. Look at the front court you know, juggling at the beginning of the season and the first two weeks how they struggled before they started to go on a win streak. And then you look at that December into January, just total fart bomb that they <laughs> laid. Like, what happened there? And I think that, that as a, if healthy, and that's why these numbers don't mean anything, and, and again, our prognostications, they don't mean anything because we don't know about health. But consider that everybody's healthy, Brad Stevens already knows where guys plug in. He doesn't have any pressure to rush Jalen Brown into the rotation. That guy will earn his minutes, as will anybody else. And I think this team was already should have been a 51-52 win team. Mm. Then you add those seven or eight to Durant. I think they're a 60-win team just by bringing Durant onto the roster. You might be right. I mean, I, I, even just saying 55 wins seems low to me. I mean, you're probably right. It's probably closer to 58, 60 wins. I just feel like until I have some answer in terms of what they're doing in the front court next to him, I, I, I have some apprehension, you know, just because they need to have, they got to improve that spot, that big man spot. Even if you go with Durant at the four, which really I think was, is the ideal world is, is that you end up in a small ball lineup. He's your four. Um, that's why Kevin Love he, scares me in that scenario. Well, but he could play the five. I think. I think. I don't think that's you know the the problem. I think is his role changes. He goes back to his Minnesota role where he's underneath the basket and exactly. his rebound numbers go up. And because the two of them can shoot the ball, it gives them some opportunity to swing right. weak side, strong side, back and forth. And and then the cutters are just going bananas. And a guy like Jalen Brown is thriving, going right up the gut and jamming it, it down their throat. You got it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think if Jalen Brown could figure out how to how to how to play off the ball well. I mean, he he could make a living just as Avery Bradley did in, in the early going of his career, where you know he didn't have the shot going early on uh, in his Boston career, but he was able to figure out how to go back door and to get you know get those easy buckets, and that allowed him to get some confidence in other areas. So um, let's let's transition to that because we've got a number of guys who have asked about Plan B. So we have got Billy King uh, at King Bill One. Uh, and uh, Joshua Farber asked again, so, uh, the, which is at King Bill one says, while Durant Horford is the ideal scenario, who are the plan B free agents you would target? That's a tough one. I mean, I, I think 
the guy, there's a couple guys that kind of fit in that. We talked about Amir. Uh, Joshua was mentioning uh, Amir earlier. That kind of fit in that, not like white side size, you know, um, contract, but I think we're going to get a decent size contract. I look at a guy like Chandler Parsons. I think Parsons, his shooting, um, I think that, you know, his career has been one with a lot of injuries and whatnot. So you may be. Do you think he a, ends up getting a, 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 ma- a short max deal? I mean, he's be. not really worth it, but the way that this whole thing is playing out, you, you know, you can say that now, but it's really, it's really hard to say, you know, he, because the money and, you know, the injuries are there, but the talent is also there. That's a, on a short deal, like an Amir Johnson deal, throw a ton of money at him. Because right. what that question is assuming is that we've already lost out on free agency. We're going to second tier, guys. So right. now it's a prove to us you can be healthy. Let's see how you fit in our system. We're going to pay you a lot for the opportunity to kick the tires. But at the same time, we're not going to pay long term because we just there's a lot of uncertainty here. I think I think the, the yeah, and I think that what we saw with the Amir, Amir deal is is the model for Danny going into it. The problem is, is you enter in a new, a new cap dynamic, right? I mean, that's the problem is that everyone's going to be throwing money and years at guys. And unfortunately he doesn't want to spend that because <laughs> they want to be players next summer. And if they spend a lot this year and they commit themselves in 17 or 17, 18, they're not going to be able to be the players that they need to be. So, Yes, the cap goes up, and so you're going to have as long as you still have two max slots, that helps. But I think when you when you walk out of this, to me, you want to be able to go with an Amir type deal. And who are the guys that will sign that type of deal? I think Jan Mahinmi, uh, the the uh, center from uh, um, the the Pacers, again, not exactly the the top tier guy, but can rebound, can defend like a mo. I think that's a guy you got to look at, and and I so Parsons, Mahinmi, none of those guys are going to curl your toes. They're not going to, but they do add some things. They add some half, they add some size. Parsons adds some shooting, which is desperately needed. Um, I think those are things that could help this team. But can you get them on a contract? That will allow you to then be players next summer. That to me, that's more important. Yeah, you almost want to wait another year if you've got to. Yep. If you almost already take a loss. Yep. If you're going to get your your butt kicked in free agency and start looking at second tier guys, you you might as well you know punt for one more season and and see how things play out. Here's the deal: we know the team needs. They need shooting and they need help in the front court. Um, they've said as much. They're not hiding it. They really couldn't if they wanted to. When you talk about front court, three guys really come to mind. Andre Drummond, Dwight Howard, Al Jefferson. And actually in our 2007 Draft Night Revisited series, part three-part series, one of the things we talked about towards the end of that night was Al Jefferson and how much nobody wanted to give him up. In our, in, in our interview with Mike Gorman, there was a lot of discussion about, hey, this team's already improved without getting Kevin Garnett. We don't really want to give up a guy like Al Jefferson. Well, you know, looking back at history, we know how that played out, and, and it really was silly. Uh, but one of the other things was, well, you know, maybe we'll stay close to Al Jefferson, and you never know, he might come back to Boston. It would be great to see him come back, you know, later in his career when Kevin Garnett's, you know, hung it up and blah, blah, blah. Well, we're now at that point nine years later. So I'm not sure Al Jefferson's the guy. 
I, in my personal opinion, Dwight Howard is definitely not the guy. But a player you and I haven't talked about who is a rebounding machine is Andre Drummond. And uh, obviously can't, free, can't shoot free throws and really wasn't living up to his potential, but had a really nice season last year. What, what are your thoughts on like a guy like Andre Drummond? Because I think otherwise you're looking at Parsons and Batum. And even then the log jam and the guard situation is starting to push up towards that small forward. So it's to your point about the contracts, it's like, well, if we got a Batum or we got a Parsons, then definitely Jay Crowder's moving to the four. Uh, I'd still be willing to do that. And I think that's something that I've advocated, but now let's, let's talk about really bolstering the front court. Uh, It's more and more likely if we don't win by trade or free agency in the front court, that Jared Sullinger's coming back. What are your thoughts on Andre Drummond? Well, I, I think you give him as much money as he wants. Um, if you could get Drummond and Durant as your two max guys this summer, you're done. Problem solved. You know, kind of. That's it. I mean, that <laughs> you wouldn't have to forget about seventeen. You know, forget the summer seventeen. You're you're set, and and you're probably pencil you in in the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe the finals at that point. I mean. You get a you get a rim protector like that. And it's, it's it's freaking over, dude. I mean, and he's twenty two. I mean, the beauty of yeah. it is he's so young, so yeah. he really fits into the culture. I, I almost think he's he might be one of the. I don't know what Durant thinks about him or if if Drummond's on the short list. But when right. you talk about building this team, you've got Marcus Smart, you've got Jalen Brown, you've got um, Andre Drummond. I'm talking post Isaiah Thomas. If this team is going to try to contend, but they can't get a Durant, and they know they're going to make their picks in the next two years to build this young core that could last 10 years together, Drummond is a perfect addition to to balancing that out. You've got a rim protector. You've got two strong and athletic, you know, a guard and a wing that can really attack. And who knows, maybe even Jalen Brown winds up playing some shooting guard. And then you got some height at that position really depends on what they were do, what they would do with the picks in the next two years. But if they were to stay young, you know, then Isaiah Thomas is the inspirational professional chip on your shoulder guy, along with Jay Crowder that brings them from the rebuilding phase through the transfer to the developing youth and Drummond is right in line age-wise with a team that could be together for the next 10 years. Yeah, well, Drummond would be fantastic. I don't think Detroit, I don't think he's, he wants to go anywhere. I don't think Detroit is going to let him go anywhere, but I could dream. <laughs> you could dream. You know, we could all kind of, you know, love it, and, and I think we should. I think we should, you know, don't let the dream die, right, until he signs, but... Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it, we're going to be in that Parsons. I mean, uh, he's restricted, it, right? So you know, it almost lends yeah. itself to a sign and trade scenario more than an actual right. like who wouldn't match. He's just driving right. up the price for Detroit, right? And then, and and you're tying up. The only thing you're really doing is you're tying up <laughs> Detroit's cap space for a couple of days until they actually assign a deal or, or whatever. So it's you know, really, I, I think you're. I, I think your best bet is is probably just to ignore him, <laughs> because I think you're gonna have so much time invested in the Durant discussion that you almost have to just you know say look, look we're going to Al, and if you sign on Al's coming here, and I, I think that's the way you have to package it to 
to, to Durant. I mean, basically, they're the only one out of any of those teams that has two max slots. So you could say to him, look, Al's, we've talked to Al Horford. He's going to hold off signing in Atlanta until he knows what you do. If you sign there, he's coming with us. You can talk to him. Here's the cell phone. You know, I mean, I think that's your, that's your best bet. Right there. Say, so, look, we got a team that won 48 wins. We had you two guys. We're, we're going to be in the 60-win territory, 60 to 65 wins. We're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to be battling against Cleveland. And if you think that that situation – I mean, look, I think that while it's great that Cleveland won for, for the fans of Cleveland, that situation to me is pretty tenuous because I think they got that I – mean, that was LeBron, but – how many more years can he put everybody on his back like that? I mean, I, to me, I, I feel a whole lot better about signing Durant and going with with uh, whatever years you have left of, of Horford than I do, um, you know, kind of being in Cleveland situation. But that's that's again, that's like eight steps down the road and not the one that's in front of us. I just would like to, if I were the Celtics, that's that's the pitch right there. We get two we get two slots. Horford's Horford's interested. If you're interested, and then we can we can really talk about what our what our options are. And they uh, balance the roster perfectly. I mean, exactly. Horford and Durant slot right into two major issues on this roster and just strengthen it. Defensively, major, major upgrades in right. team defense even more. Uh, you have some strong guys still in the backcourt. You haven't given anything up. That's right. And then, and then maybe you do overpay some assets to bring in a butler in that case. Then maybe you go back to Chicago and say, okay, we'll give you everything. And, and that is definitely not the scenario I just described. But, you know, no. if, if, you're, if you're talking about bringing in butler and you've got to give up even if you have to give up Smart and Bradley and one or two of the Nets picks, but you know you're going to have Butler, Horford, Durant, and Isaiah Thomas in the starting lineup, you've got to consider you, that. You're, you're <laughs> at a point, right, and you know, all the criticism over the last two weeks or whatever about Isaiah Thomas, we saw that stuff with Chad Ford. Oh, he's the fourth, you know, the, at best, he's the fourth best player on your team. Uh, Jeff Goodwin said it to us, you know, it, He's the best. He's your third or fourth best player on a championship team. Well, guess what? If you if you do a deal and you consolidate picks or players and whatnot, and 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 end up with a Jimmy Butler, Al Horford, Kevin Durant, and Isaiah Thomas as your four best players, he is your third or fourth best player. And guess what? You probably have a good chance of winning a championship with that crew. So, you know, that's it, it's kind of funny how it kind of brings it back around full circle. But yeah, everything's situational. It is absolutely situational, and that and that's not a slight on on Isaiah. I mean, I think Isaiah would love to be in that situation, playing with those guys and winning games and and contending for championships. So, yep. uh, there is uh, just kind of one other question I wanted to go back to Scott asked was Boston Sport Z. Uh, he says, assuming no KD, Whiteside, or Horford, who would you want to sign? And he mentions Batum. He mentions Ryan Anderson, uh, Alan Crabb. Um, and we talked a little bit about some of those guys. Crab wasn't a guy we mentioned. We didn't really spend a lot of time on Alan Ryan Anderson. Uh, another guy I'd look at that I mean, Crab would be great, but again, he kind of we talked about that kind of issues in the front court. I think a guy I'd look at is Mirza Toledovic, uh, the guy who played for uh, played for the Suns last year, shot the hell out of the ball. I think he's going to give you a lot that Ryan Anderson would do. 
but at a lot less price. And and I think your best bet is is bringing somebody like that as a as a shooter um, and saving some cash. Now, how much is he going to cost? I have no idea. But I think we got to look at at lower priced options to preserve again, try to preserve some of that. Well, what about the Dudley guy then? I mean, Jared was on Celtic speed and that's a, that again, high character, three point shooter adds all plays power forward. I mean, it's position again, this is a nice fit. You got a young team, you're looking for a professional. And in his interview with Larry H. Russell, it's precisely what he said. You need somebody around the locker room who's willing to take a secondary role. Who's also willing to invest in the franchise and the other players around them, not just show up, collect their paycheck, knock down some shots when they're called upon. If that's truly what Jared Dudley provides, and it sure sounds like it, just based on people's opinion of him around the league, but if that's truly what he provides, then he really is an, a nice fit if you're losing out on any, on any of the big ones. The other thing is I don't think Dudley's looking for long money. I think he's just looking – you again, you could overpay him a little bit for one year – Knowing, again, maybe a one-in-one deal, knowing he's coming off the books next year. You maintain your flexibility, you, you bring him in, and you get a year of, of professionalism. It's, it's the kind of move that the Celtics have been known to make in the past in this organization at, at the previous stage of young player development. Well, we know he's not going to sign for one year $5 million. We have heard that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's going to be – you know, well, that exactly was what Larry – no, I remember. That right, him. that's how he got him on the show. Right, but you could see him signing a, a, a deal identical to Amir Johnson's. Yeah, yeah, and that, with that, cap, why not? Yep, and that's you're exactly right. That's and that's the type of deal. Those are the type of guys and the type of deals that you got to look at. And and that's the thing about Dudley. Dudley's got the three point shot, but he defends. Uh, you know, obviously he's got some love for Boston too. Um, I, to me, there's a lot there to like about Jared Dudley coming in here. Fits in as a veteran. Uh, you know, he's not going to get in the way of, of a guy like Crowder or get in the way of a Jalen Brown, but provide him that professionalism. That I mean, I think we've got some good, solid role models and, and solid citizens as it is now. Um, the only thing is, if you're going to do that. Do you, do you say goodbye to Jonas Jerebko? Because th- there is some, there's a little bit there of of similarities between those two guys. Uh, I think Jonas is a bit more active on the boards. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna keep more plays alive, perhaps than Dudley would. But you know, the, if, can you really devote too too much to uh, to guys in that you know kind of six eight six nine position? Uh, that's that seems to be asking a lot. Um, so this is it, man. This is it. I mean, this is the, the, by the time we have another show, Justin, Celtics will have made their pitch to Kevin Durant. Crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be two days before. We obviously won't have any kind of a decision, but the rumors will be going wild. Same. Next week's show is going to be littered with woge bombs. I'm certain. <laughs> I think you're right. It's going to be next Ju- July 1st might be a bigger party than draft night this year. And draft night was pretty big. And the fan base, I'm just going to say this better if if I we all want Durant. But just like we all wanted a big deal at draft night. But if you don't get him, don't come on. Come on. Right. Let's be classy. 
Let's be classy. Danny Ainge made a great point. Don't boo the player. You want to boo me because you're not happy about me getting it done and bringing a championship? Fine. Don't boo the player. Let's just, you know, let's just put it out there. Come on, people. Come yeah. on. No, and, and, and that's, the, you know, I think John said it on with us and, and I, uh, John Corrales from Red's Army, and he said it again on his show um, the other day. I mean, look. If if you're if you're booing Jay Crowder or, or you know sending stuff on Twitter and you're sending stuff to Isaiah, oh, that Thomas, was brutal. That's, that you know, was brutal. That's not that's there's nothing to do with troll. Him. It is, yeah. Seriously, you know, get get yourself together. I mean, look, I I like I wanted a deal. I mean, we talked about it, but that's not their fault. That's, we all experience right. the disappointment, and I and I think, just place it where it belongs and understand that you don't have the full story right or all of the information and one thing we none we nobody talked about until after it was all over the dust settled and we began to look at free agency was the fact that were they to make a deal for a player that either took up so many assets that the roster was completely thinned out or took on salary they would lose their flexibility in free agency if it wasn't a home run it wasn't worth doing yet mm-hmm. and think if we all of a sudden we're going into July 1st. We found out that we could make a pitch and that Kevin Durant would listen. And then the only way to acquire Al Horford was through sign-and-trade with some of our assets. And that made the deal more complicated or made one of the teams that we were bidding against for Kevin Durant's services more attractive to Horford. Think about the fallout from that. You want to talk about booing? If that came out after Durant signed... God forbid, let's say the New York Knicks are, uh, there's some question about whether or not they got on this list for July 1st or not, but let's say somehow crazy world happens and the Knicks get Kevin Durant and we find out it's because they were the ones that were able to, to lure Al Horford in through a sign and trade and that's where Horford wanted to go and we didn't, we didn't have our best, you know, we, weren't, we couldn't get a deal done with Atlanta. Think about how disgusted people would be in that scenario. So, I think oh, there's yeah. a lot more to maintaining this cap flexibility heading into free agency than any of us gave credence to on draft night because none of us even thought about it or saw it coming. And that's what I mean when I say, look, it's okay to have a reaction. It's okay to be disappointed. But understand, there's no way we as fans have enough information to make an informed criticism. Yeah, that's right. I and mean, we have to know... What are all the options at the table? I mean, even even as I was saying earlier about this issue about, and, and you mentioned it, we don't know that that uh, you know, say the Kings weren't interested in dealing eight for free. We don't know that. We don't know that they, that what the options were. I mean, this is something that Bill Simmons was talking about on on his show on Friday. And look, we don't know what what the options were available. And here's what we do know. We got Jalen Brown under contract, or we will have Jalen Brown under contract, and he's going to play for us next year. Yabasele, maybe, maybe not. Ante Zizic, maybe, but more I, I, likely than Yabasele. I yeah, think. I, yeah, I think so. Although I, I will say this: the Yabasele stuff we were concerned about. You watch the <laughs> if you. It's not all about Draft Express. You know, I can't videos. believe how he gets but, up in the air. Holy he looks shit. like Glenn Davis. 
but he jumps out of the gym. He doesn't look like he physically looks like Glenn Davis. He doesn't oh. play but, anything like Glenn but Davis. But did you see that? I don't know. We talked about this very. I don't know if you mentioned this. Remember there was some there was some dispute about whether he's two forty or two seventy. Do you remember this? Yeah, he's yeah, he's two seventy five, I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but he was. Well, he said he was two seventy, but you look, his body has gone a huge change, and so that's why he's he's all caught up now. So he looks. You know, there were some videos and whatnot that they were showing, and he looked Sullinger esque, shall we say? Uh, I was going to say he does. His body looks similar to Sullinger, but yeah. he's transformed it. So everything that they wanted Sully to do, that Sully really didn't do, Ubicelli has done. Yeah, exactly. And he can shoot from three. I know the sample size was small, and we got the details out of Scott Souza's article when we had him on the show on draft night. You know, it's just over 100 shots, but still. And and there is a little bit of a wind-up there, but he'd be playing power forward or center. You're not looking for a quick release from a wide body who could also rebound. But the athleticism is definitely there. Totally. And, you know, you, so you look at a guy like that who's who can just jump out of the freaking gym. Uh, you think there's a shot he lands on this roster I, I don't. if they choose not to, to bring back Sully? No, I think they're going – I think – no, no, I don't. I think that – that he'll go back to France because I think that's really what Ainge wants. Listen, yeah. but the but I think Zizic, I think there's a fair chance he does return. He does come because Zeller out and Zizic. Maybe, in. yeah. But I, I mean, I'm telling you, this kid. I think that in terms of a defensive center, I mean, I, you look at the guys. He's who, old school. Yeah, he's, he's old, old school. He's old school. He's he's a seven footer with good size. Nineteen years old, but productive uh and the guys who have been playing in that league that adriatic league and i'm, I'm talking about they Yoke. said he was right behind right. dragon bender in terms of foreign prospects now right. they're he can't shoot like bender no. he doesn't bring that so he's more of a role player but, but it would be a nice piece right it's a nice piece for brad stevens to throw a different look at another team and the guy if you reward him and let him play in the nba which is what he really wants he does not want to be stashed right. if you reward him with that he'll absolutely understand that he's accepting a lesser role i think so and i so you look at you look at that and you look at what your the makeup of your team right now how many defensive big yeah, they don't have it he fits a need he, he does. fits a so if worst case scenario you do have to you do sign him and he comes in here and he that's the thing about this European thing I, I think he fits the need I think there's a good reason to keep him and and so maybe that's not in Danny's best benefit but what are we talking about here for the 23rd pick that's virtually that's peanuts on this cap so I mean that's just I, I wouldn't even worry about that but and Ben Bentel is interesting as well but absolutely. I think he's got a little bit more development before he's really going to fit in you know with playing time he he's like a Jordan Mickey red claw scenario yep. but if there is any kind of a trade where they oh. consolidate the talent based on Brad Stevens' love of Demetrius Jackson, that dude's getting playing time. He's oh, yeah. he is he's he's Terry Rozier on deck, and it really just depends on what happens, you know, to the roster. But if you see a player like uh, Avery Bradley get moved in any kind of a deal, mm-hmm. Terry Rozier moves up a slot. Demetrius Jackson's still sitting waiting in the wings. But it's really interesting. They have a real profile for Smart, Rozier, Jackson, mm-hmm. all those guys. fit. Even even Bradley fits into that mold to an extent. Maybe not quite as much as Rozier, Jackson, and Smart fit together. But all four of those players 
are similar, not the same, but similar. And it makes I I think that pick was uh, a safe pick, but one that gave them flexibility to deal with the part of the roster where they have a lot of assets that might be able to be moved around. Totally, totally. And and that's the thing is like. You open up the trade. You open up with the trade scenarios, and you're going to have guys. I think they can come in and play for you. I think Ben Bentel, he's a guy. He's if you don't if you don't have a Yabuselli come over, you're still going to need shooting. And I think Bentel is a guy who could provide some shooting from them out of that three four swing spot. He's not going to be the defender. He's not going to be the passer. You know, he's going to be open in the corner, hitting threes. And if he can, he plays the opposite role of Zizic, depending on yeah. what. Brad is trying to get going on the floor and who the other players they're surrounded by. Right on. He keeps the spacing going. He keeps everybody kind of outside. He compliments Brown coming off the bench. Yeah. Those two coming off the bench for 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 some energy play. He opens it up, you know, and and that's they're going to need those guys. So I'm not saying Bentel is is like going to start. That would be that would be ludicrous. I'm not even saying he's going to be a rotation player, but I think that, like you said, they, if they make a deal and they start clearing out some of this, you know, cons, you know, some of these these duplicative uh, roster spots, a guy like Benzel could jump into it and do uh, do a really nice job. And same with Jackson, Demetrius, I think is is another guy. So, I, you know, we walked out of the night feeling kind of glum, kind of disappointed, not you as much as me, but I feel like... What's new? There's some pieces, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Nine years later, same difference. You know, but if, if some some things can happen, I think, not, I, think, I think that what we saw on Thursday night could actually be a huge win in taking those picks, but it's not what everybody wanted. Nobody wanted to have... Uh, <laughs> eight, you know, eight draft picks, and you know, yeah, they they paired it back, but that's not what they wanted. But I think they're in a good position to make the deal. The question is, can they get the deal done? And that's yeah, well, it, it's going to rely on what happens on on Friday afternoon. And I want to remind great. you, and Kevin Durant, if you're listening right now, July first, Friday is my birthday. There would be no better birthday gift that you could possibly get me, Kevin, is to come to Boston. So I'm just That's saying, right, John, happy birthday. I did know that. Hey, Jeff Clark's birthday's on the 30th. Mine's on the 1st. We can yeah, two for one. I'm willing to, to, to share a gift with, with Jeff Clark. I'm willing to do that. I'm just saying, let's make it happen. Well, and we just got a question from Michael, uh, our, one of our biggest Twitter fans, and he just pumped it in. But it's funny, he, we, we answered his question. Ainge said he didn't do some trades because it would mess with their free agent plans. What do you think he has besides for Kevin Durant and Al Horford? So we covered that, but we did see your question, Michael. We did cover it in the show, and um, I guess that is going to be uh, more of the same on next week's show, but we're going to have a lot more info to break that down. Are we talking... Now our chances at Durant are increasing, and Al Horford is right about to sign. Is that where we're at? Or are we looking at Plan B like we discussed a little bit? So we're going to talk about all of that next week. That's going to do it for this show. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at CSL underscore Justin, my co-host at CSL underscore Duke for all the show announcements and your chance to win. 
at CSL underscore Tweet Live. Big thanks to everybody who tuned into the show. And you can support us by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher, but even more so by giving us a rating or a review of the show because we love your feedback and it's important to us. Reminder that today's show was brought to you by Loot Crate and Fan Essentials. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners. But most importantly, you would be supporting Celtic Stuff Live and the entire CLNS radio network. You can go to LootCrate.com and use promo code CLNS to save $3 on your subscription or Fan Essentials where you can go to fanessentials.net and use the promo code CSL underscore 2016 to save 30% on your first month. And congratulations to Kevin Cross. Make sure you respond to our direct message, Kevin, because you have won a free month of Fan Essentials gear that's going to be coming right to your doorstep. Boy, I hope they have some rookie gear for him, some Jalen Brown. You know, my boy. <laughs> oh, my God. He's my boy. We are never going to hear the end of this, Celtic Stuff nope. listeners. Nope. We, uh, not, not till we die. This, this one is going down like Rondo, which is interesting because those parallels are, are very obvious. Yeah, but, except you know. I was the Rondo guy. You were – Rondo can't hit the side of the backboard on Rondo. Let's but he, but he's – but he still brought a lot to this team. Oh, he were did. His, you were not. Were his, you were not. Yeah, but, oh, we, we're going to table this for next week. I'll tell you right now. Were, were Rondo to have a slightly different attitude, he'd probably still be here. That's what I'll say to that. And a big thanks to everybody in loyal to the CLNS radio uh, team. Uh, now, see, now I'm botching my closing because I sorry. just. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's beautiful. <laughs> For staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, and the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.